Good evening, folks. It's good to be together, and we'll be getting right into our Bible study. It's always appropriate to go to our Lord in prayer as we get ready to study His Word. Well, our holy and gracious, our loving Father, come before your holy throne. We are full of gratitude. We're thankful mostly right now for your sacred scriptures. Preserve for us, O Lord. We thank you for sharing your mind with us so that we can have hope. Mindful of those, Father, that are among us, associated with us, who having a variety of health troubles. You know their needs, Father. You know each of us so, so, so very well. We pray your Richest blessings will be upon them, Lord. We, we pray that you watch over them, protect them, lift them up. We pray the things being done by our nurses and doctors and health officials can be the very thing they need to restore their health. We're thankful for our family here. We pray that you would bless us this evening as... We have many classes taking place. We pray you bless our, our good brotherhood. Many congregations are also meeting this evening. Thank you, O Lord, for your great love. We're so thankful for our Savior. In his name we pray. Amen. Come back to the Old Testament this evening. And I ask that you come alive a little bit this evening because we're going to need to look at several passages together. So I hope you have your Bibles. I hope you're ready to turn. We're going to be studying a family, and we're going to start with a lady by the name of, here's her name. Here's her name. A-C-H-S-A-H. A-C-H-S-A-H, Oxa, Oxa. Her name is found in Joshua 15 and verse 16, Oxa. We're going to be studying her and her family. So let's come together and get ready study back in these days. Remember that God used Moses to bring his people out of Egyptian bondage. We read about that in the book of Exodus. We know that Moses brought his people through uh, the wilderness wanderings. And then Joshua, God's servant, uh, took over. Moses died. Joshua leads the people into the land to conquer the land of Canaan, to settle there. And along about these days, we run into this lady by the name 
of Oxa. Oxa. Notice her family. First of all, I want you to notice there in Joshua 15, verse 16, that, that her daddy, her father, is Caleb. Caleb. It's the Caleb that we love. It's, it's the Caleb who, with Joshua, uh, brought back the faithful report. So let's be turning back and read just a little bit in Numbers 13. Let's be turning back to Numbers 13 and read a little bit about Caleb. But this is the Caleb, along with Joshua, who trusted in the Lord and said, Yes, we can go forward. We can, we can overcome the obstacles in the land, we can certainly, if the Lord delights in us, we can certainly move forward as the Lord wants us to do. So looking in your Bibles, in Numbers chapter uh, 13, if you look at uh, chapter 13, you'll see the first verse, the Lord spoke to Moses to send spies out into the land of Canaan. And then the spies are chosen, and you'll see there that Caleb's name is Numbers 13, verse 6, of the tribe of Judah, Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. Okay, and Joshua's in that mix as well. Well, they go forth, and indeed the land is, as reported, a land of, of fruit, a land of milk and honey. And so they bring back uh, their reports. Let's pick up in verse 26, Numbers 13. Numbers 13, 26. They came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, We came to the land which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey, and there is, here is its fruit. However, verse 28, however, the people who dwell in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and they're very large. And besides that, we saw the descendants of Anak there. And the Amalekites also dwell there in the land of Negev. And the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the hill country. And the Canaanites dwell there by the sea and along the Jordan. But then Numbers 13, verse 30, here's our man. But Caleb, he quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the other men who went up with him said, We are not able to go against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone to spy out, is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people that we saw in there are of great stature, great height. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who come from the Nephilim. And we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers in their sight, and um, so we seemed to them. So notice here that Caleb is standing strong. He is standing strong. Numbers 14, verses uh, 1 through 4, all the people are panicking. And even in verse 5, you see Moses and Aaron fall on their faces before all the assembly uh, of uh, the 
congregation of the people. But notice Norton, uh, Numbers 14, verse 6, Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, who uh, were among those who had spied out the, the land, tore their clothes and said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, the land which we pass through to spy out is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into the land and give it uh, to us a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And then all the congregation said to stone them with stones. But the glory of the Lord appeared in the tent of meeting to all the people of Israel. The Lord said to Moses, how long will this people despise me? How long will they not believe in me in spite of all the signs I've done? Okay, we'll stop right there. But see, this Caleb has a daughter by the name of Aksah, A-C-H-S-A-H. And so Aksa's daddy, his, her father, is this very Caleb, man of great faith, and he desires to pass on his faith uh, to his daughter and her family. Let's stop right there and drive that, drive that point home for a minute. If we are to be people of God, then we must think about the legacy that we are going to leave. Leave behind, you know, we sing that song, leave behind, leave behind, what will we leave behind? Some will be able to leave behind possessions and cars and various treasures, maybe even some land to their people, but most importantly, as you very well know, we must leave behind faith and courage. We must leave behind. We must pass on faith and courage. This Caleb here will be seeking to pass on his faith, faith in God to his daughter, Aksa, Aksa, and to her family as well. well let's drive that point home uh, to ourselves for just a minute. A couple weeks ago, we talked about Timothy and what Paul had in mind for Timothy. And certainly one thing was for Timothy to become a really good student of God's Word. Another thing for Timothy to become a real good servant of God. And that certainly is the kinds of things that we need uh, to pass on. But this faith must have with it courage. You see that in Numbers uh, 14 where uh, Joshua and Caleb say, do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people. Okay. To fear is to not believe. To fear is to rebel against the Lord. The Lord is not pleased with this reaction of these spies. Uh, not one little bit. Okay. Let's stop and consider that. You know, in the New Testament, we're familiar with 2 Timothy 1, Verse 7, it says, God has not given us a spirit of fear. But uh, if you want to jump over to 2 Corinthians 4, this spirit of fear must be met by a spirit of faith. So Paul mentions this in 2 Corinthians 4, verse um, 
12 and 13, I believe it is. Verse 13. In 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 13, Paul says, Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believe, so therefore I speak. We also believe, and so also we speak. Paul is quoting from Psalm 116, verse 10, where the psalmist says, We believe, therefore we speak. Paul says that's what we do under Christ as well. We believe, therefore we speak. Caleb and Joshua simply believed, therefore they spoke, as they did back in Numbers 13. There is a spirit of fear and there is a spirit of faith, and the spirit of faith is to conquer the spirit of fear. One thing that we can try sometime is to go up to a, a young person, teenager or 20-something-year-old, and just ask them, what do you expect to inherit from your parents? And I wonder what they would say. And would their ideals match our ideals as far as what we want to pass on uh, to our children? And would they mention uh, this ideal of faith and courage that needs to be prevalent? So this family that God uses back in the day here, back in the days of the judges, Back in these, these days of transition from Joshua uh, to eventually uh, Saul, first king of Israel, um, there's this family. The daughter's name is Aksa, and the daddy's name is Caleb. It's Caleb. Okay. Any thoughts so far on what we've uh, seen? Let's be moving now to Joshua 15. Go back to Joshua 15. Let's notice, notice the marriage of Caleb's daughter. The marriage of Caleb's daughter. Joshua 15. Caleb, this man, he has a family. And it's going to come time for his daughter uh, to get married. We'll pick up in verse 13. Joshua 15. You there? Joshua 15, 13. According to the commandment of the Lord to Joshua, he gave uh, to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, a portion among the people of Judah. Uh, Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, Arba was the father of Anak. And Caleb drove out from there the three sons of Anak, uh, Shisha and Ahiman and Talmai, the descendants of Anak. And he went up from there against the inhabitants of Deber, now, the name of Deber formerly was known as Kiriath Sefer. Verse 16, Caleb said, Whoever, and here, here comes the, the marriage, okay. whoever strikes Kiriath Sefer and captures it, to him I will give Aksa, there she is, my daughter, as your wife. And so Othniel, the son of Kenaz, the brother of Caleb, captured it, and he gave Aksa, his daughter, to him as wife. And when she came, she urged him to ask her father for a field. Okay. But this is how the marriage deal was struck. As you know, in these days, the uh, arranging a marriage uh, was, was rather common. Um, 
different um, strategies were used. This is one used by Caleb. If you can show yourself to be a warrior, then um, a faithful warrior in God's sight, then you can have my daughter. You might recall that as, as a little boy, David, shepherd boy, approached the battle scene where Goliath was, nobody wanted to, to go toward Goliath at all. And, and David said, along about 1 Samuel 17, 25, he said, now what is it that's going to be given to the one who goes up and defeats Goliath? And they said, oh, the king promises all kinds of riches and, and even promises to give his daughter to the one who strikes down Goliath. So there King Saul is striking a deal for the marriage of his, his daughter. We do know this. We know that, that parental influence in marriage in those days was, was very dominant. It was very huge. And this is what we're seeing here with Caleb and, and his daughter, Aksa. Okay. I have an inkling that, um, I have a thought that maybe... Um, Caleb kind of knew who would step forward uh, and, and be willing to go and capture this city. And, I mean, it says here it was his own brother, right? So what it says, verse 17? Do what? Othiel, the son of Kenaz, the brother of Caleb. Is that what your says? So um, either his brother or his brother's son. Either way, there you are. Um, he steps forward and he's given him uh, his wife. I think definitely we can say about Caleb, he wanted someone to become the husband of his daughter who would be a mighty leader for God. And so uh, he gives her to Othniel. And so again, this is a good place for us to stop and consider if... Um, if more of this kind of thing needs to happen in, in our day, what do you think? Does there need to be more parental influence in the selection of, of mates today? Does it need to become more, more dominant? What do you think, Brother James? What do you think? I mean, it takes a lot off of you if, if your parents are just... Abandoning responsibilities not necessarily Do what? Abandoning responsibilities not necessarily Abandoning responsibility. That's just a definite no. It is a definite no. Okay. Because I want somebody better than just a good personality. Not to look like a whore. My wife's not either, so I can say all that. So you're hoping that by the, relation, by the relationship you have formed in life and the presence of your children, that they see the kind of person that they should marry? Yes. Okay. 
Should, should there be more than that? Or, or is it just up to each individual family as to how they handle this situation? Is it a huge thing? Is it a huge thing who someone marries? Is that big? It doesn't get much bigger. It's major. So you can kind of understand why in the old times they did step forward and, and um, interject a lot of their opinion on, on their children. So if that's the case, which definitely is, then we wouldn't want to see parents just do a hands-off situation. They definitely want to be involved in it. So you can handle your situation the way you want to, but um, I'm just going to take the Bible as my guide. Hmm? Any other comments on, on this particular part of the lesson where Caleb plays a big role? We can at least safely say Caleb plays a big role in who his daughter marries. And we see no objection from AXA. Uh, what? Hmm? Same thing could be said about when the parents are not involved in it and then a, a bad one is selected as well. Definitely different times. Definitely different times. <clears throat> sure. Yeah, the bloodlines were pure. So if you were... Um, talking to your son, Brother Paul, and, and um, you said, here are three characteristics you need to look for in a good, godly wife. What would you, what would be something you might say? Better be forming something to say. So what, what do you think you say? Honest and trustworthy? Honest, trustworthy, and, and loving. Faithful to God. You, you would have that in there somewhere. All right, so we have here a family. We've got a dad, Caleb. We have a daughter, 
named ACHSAH, AXA. Okay. And, um, and she has a marriage that, that takes place here. And she's married now to Othniel. Othniel. Now let's think about um, the land inheritance that Caleb's going to get. Let's go back to Numbers now, chapter 14, and notice the promise that um, is given to uh, Caleb uh, for a, a land inheritance. So the third part of our study right now is the land inheritance that he has promised. Notice, uh, let's pick up in verse number 20 of Numbers 14. Now God is reacting. Moses has pleaded for God not to completely destroy the people. So verse 20, Numbers 14, Then the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word, but truly as I live, and as all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, none of the men who have seen my glory and my signs that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and yet have put me to the test these ten times, and have not obeyed my voice, none of them shall see the land that I swore to give to of their fathers, and none of those who despise me shall, shall be able to see it. But my servant Caleb, see that in Numbers 14, 24, but my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring him into the land into which he went, and his descendants uh, also shall possess it. So there is the promise of a land inheritance for uh, Caleb. Now let's jump over to Joshua 14 and notice how he claims uh, this promise. Beginning in verse 6 to Joshua uh, 14. Now remember, some time has passed. They've, they've come into the land. They're... They've conquered lots of battles, but now it's time. They're at Gilgal, and they're settling the land. Where, who gets what land? And Caleb is going to get part of the land. So here we go, verse 6, uh, Joshua 14. Then the people of Judah come to Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, in Kadesh Barnea, Concerning you and me, I was 40 years old then when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought them word again as it was in my heart. But my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. Yet I wholly followed the Lord God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot has trodden shall be an inheritance for you and your children forever because you have wholly followed the Lord God. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, just as he said he would, these 45 years. So how old is Caleb now? 85. Just as he said, these 45 years, since the time the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel walked in the wilderness, and now, behold, I am this day 85 years old, I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then for war and for going and coming, 
So now give me this mountain. Give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day how the Anakim were there with great terrified cities. It may be, folks, listen to this. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. Caleb had all the right in the world to choose another place than this. He could have chosen a place that was more fertile. He could have just chose to drift off into retirement. But no, you, you, hear, you hear his words. The Anakim are there. The Anakim are, are, are great warriors. And many of the Anakim uh, were known as, as great men of stature. Most people were scared of them. Here Caleb is 85 years old, and he says this. He says, it may be that the Lord will be with me, so give me this area here. Give me this hill country. I want to, I want to settle where these Anakim are. I want this battle. And so this is the inheritance that he gets. And so it's promised to him in Numbers 14, after the report of the spies. And now he claims it here in Joshua 14. And then here at the marriage in Joshua 15 of his daughter, notice if you go back to verse um, 18, Joshua 15, 18, when she came to him, she urged him to ask her father for a field, and she got off her donkey, and Caleb said to her, what do you want? She said to him, give me a blessing since you have given me the land of the Negev. Give me also springs of water. And so he gave her upper springs and lower springs. So here he is sharing his inheritance with his daughter okay, and her new husband, Othniel. Okay. So we just stop and learn something here. He claims his inheritance. Notice the bravery, again, the courageous, the courageous spirit of Caleb. He has not lost that. It's, he's not lost that after these 45 years. At 85, he still got all the spirit he had when he was 40. Okay. He's not ready to retire. He's ready for more battles. He, he is for the Lord. His, when it says that Caleb wholly followed the Lord, there's no mixing of words there. That's just what he, what he did. But notice also here that God keeps his promise. He's, that's what he's saying here. He said, now the Lord has kept me alive. The Lord promised I would get this inheritance. He's thankful for it. And he sees that the Lord keeps his promise. These things are written for our learning and for our comfort, for our inspiration. We know the Lord keeps his promises, but here's an inspired example of that. 45 years later, the Lord kept his promise he made uh, to Caleb. We can be just as sure, just as sure, that the Lord will keep the promises he has promised to us. In Matthew 6, when he says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all your necessities will be added to you, then he, he will keep those promises. In Luke 6, 38, when he says, Give and it will be given unto you, he keeps his promises. Paul said in 2 Timothy 4, verse 8, Henceforth there is laid up for me that crown of righteousness. You see, the Lord will keep his promises. Are we, are we a man, are we people of God like Caleb, like Paul? And can we fully believe that the Lord keeps his promises? 
So you see where we've gone here. We're looking at this family. We see that the patriarch of this family is Caleb, a great man of faith. He has a daughter, and he arranges the marriage of his daughter to another warrior named Othniel. And then there is space given here in Joshua 15 to show how that the promise of God is fulfilled in giving them the promise of the land inheritance. Let's move on to our fourth part of our study and jump over to Judges uh, 3. Judges 3. Joshua Judges. And we get to see here who is the first judge after the death of Joshua. Judges 3, verse 7. Who is it? It's the son-in-law. That's right. It's the son-in-law. It's Caleb's son-in-law. Caleb's son-in-law, whom he chose. Remember? Caleb chose this man. Whoever steps forward and helps defeat this city is going to be given a prize, the prize of my daughter in marriage. Okay? Caleb probably made a pretty good choice because this man becomes God's first deliverer here in the book of Judges. Judges 3, verse 7, And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God and served Baal and Asherah. Therefore the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he sold them into the hand of Cushan Rashamtham, king of Mesopotamia. And the people of Israel served the king of Mesopotamia uh, eight years. But when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer, a judge for the people of Israel, who saved them, Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. The spirit of the Lord was upon him, and he judged Israel. And he went out to war, and the Lord gave Cushan Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia, into his hand, and his hand prevailed over him. And so the land had rest 40 years. Then Othniel, the son of Kenaz, died. Okay. So here's this family in action again. Now God is using him as his very first judge. And as far as we know, Aksa is there standing behind her men. This particular instance shows the cycle of what happens in the book of Judges. God's people will forget him, serve other gods. God will oppress them with some other ruler. And then they will cry out to God. And then God will send them someone to deliver them. And then they'll have peace for a while. And then they go right back to the cycle. Okay, before we make fun of them, remember how we are in and out a lot. And we see a lot of other people in and out for God and against God here and there. But that's kind of the cycle that we see here. Now, let's see where we need to drive a stake or two uh, here. This Baal worship is interesting. We don't have time to really dive into it, but there's a lot of uh, corrupt, more than just... Um, Corrupt. There are, there's hard. There's not. There's not words to describe the kind of corruption 
that was involved in the Baal uh, worship. But we do learn this later on. When Elijah is serving, the people are back to serving Baal. Okay. 1 Kings 18, uh, 21. Elijah, you know, mounted this, this challenge. If, if the Lord God be God, follow him. But if Baal be God, follow him. But quit limping between two sides. That just shows us that the devil never stops working, does it? And he don't mind coming back and using the same strategy he used several years before. He's still using Baal. Here he is. Othniel, with great courage, goes in and defeats the people and, and somewhat brings a, a victory over those who serve Baal. But before long, they were springing back up serving Baal again. It's false worship. False religion. So the devil never never stops. One lesson we certainly learn here is that God hears the cries of his people. Even when we're stubborn and rebellious and we, we, we deserve what we get still, if we cry to God, he's, a lot of times he's patient. He comes and he'll deliver us. We don't deserve it. We, we don't deserve what we get from God now. But uh, oftentimes God will reach down and help us to come out of our pit that we've dug for ourselves. So notice how this family operates here. It starts with Caleb way back in the sending of the spies. Then the daughter gets married. And then there's a land inheritance. And then later, you know, God uses the son-in-law to for this great victory here in Mesopotamia. Okay. Now I want us to know, let's go back to Joshua for just a second with me. Before we close, and I think this is an important point. Joshua uh, 14 again. This is the only way, I don't know of another way of, of, of looking at this family. You just got to bounce around in these scriptures. But uh, as you've already noticed in our reading, Caleb is described as the son of Jephunneh. Joshua the son of Nun, but Caleb the son of Jephunneh. But notice here in in Joshua 14, verse 6, he's also described as a Kenizzite. Kenizzite. Okay. Now, you should think about something with me. You go back to Genesis 15, when God is making the land promise to uh, Abraham initially. He says, I'm going to give you the land of these uh, foreigners. Okay. You look in Genesis 15, Verse 18, he says, On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I will give this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the, notice that, the Kenites, the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Kadamites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephraim, the Amorites, Canaanites, Girgashites, and the Jebusites. But notice now that Caleb evidently is not part of the original tribes of Israel. He is a foreigner. But he is included in Judah. He's included in with God's people because of what? Or obviously because of his dedication to the Lord. Obviously because 
of his association with the Lord's people because of his faith. His faith. So notice that, that not only then, if, if Caleb is a foreigner, then so is Othniel. Because Othniel is either his brother or his nephew. So he's also a, a Kenizzite, okay, a foreigner. The first judge of Israel is an immigrant. The first judge mentioned in Judges is an immigrant. One of the most faithful people ever to shine in the Old Testament, Caleb, is, is a foreigner. Isn't that interesting? Turn over to uh, Joshua, not Joshua, Judges 1. Judges 1. Judges 1. If you look down to verse 16, Judges 1, 16, this is kind of, Judges 1 kind of rehashes some of the things we've already discussed. But if you look at Judges 1, 16, it says, The descendants of the Kenites, Moses' father-in-law, went up with the people of Judah from the city of the Palms into the wilderness of Judah, which is in the Negev, near Arad, and they went and settled with the people. Apparently, apparently, go back to Moses. Who did Moses marry? What was her name? Hmm? Zipporah. And her name, her daddy's name is Jethro. Jethro was not of the, the 12 of Israel. But evidently, Jethro was part of these Kenites or Kenezrites. Okay. And so because the Kenites or Kenezrites were associated with Moses way back then, and then here Caleb is from this band as well, showing great faith, then they get a part of the land, uh, of the promised land. I think this says several things to us. One thing is that God is no respecter of persons. God always recognizes true faith, no matter where it comes from. We learn here that in the Old Testament times, even though a lot of the story focuses on what's happening with Abraham's family and his heritage and the nation, still there were Gentile people who were faithful to God. Here are some of the Kenites, faithful to God. Uh, who was a Moabite in the Old Testament? Ruth. Okay. She's included into the, the lineage of David. Okay. And we recall that Jonah is sent to the Ninevites, and many of them repented of their wrongdoing and turned with sackcloth and ashes to God and were pleasing God. I think this is somewhat of a preview in my own estimation. It's kind of a preview of the Great Commission that is to come uh, in, the, in the new times. But our Lord God is, is, has always had an eye out. He always has a heart. It's, it's never been different, really. We read in the New Testament that God would have all men saved. Well, it wasn't any different in the old. 
Just because you weren't of Israel didn't mean you couldn't have faith in God. Okay, much like Rahab. Rahab heard of the workings of God, and she wanted to know more, and she showed great faith toward the missions of God in those days, and she became uh, faithful to God as well. So notice, I want you to see this family. It starts really with the daughter, in my mind, Aksa. Go back and notice her faithful dad. Notice her marriage. And then notice the inheritance that she gets. She said, Dad, if you want to get part of this land, this land is dry. I need some water. So he gave her both the upper springs and, and lower springs. So of course he is. He's a daughter. You know? I'm going to give my daughter what she needs to, to live. But she was blessed with a faithful warrior of Othniel. He's a judge. He saves the people. And then come to find out that this very clan that we're talking about were foreigners. What about that? And I just think it speaks to the heart of our God. You remember when Jesus gave the parable of the, of the Good Samaritan. The one who shined in that parable wasn't the priest or the Levite. It was the foreigner, the Samaritan. God has a heart for faith anywhere it is. So I want to do a little research with you and connect these families and these people and see and just simply show that there's a great deal of information just from a few verses of some of these books. Thank you so much for being part of class.